Welcome and hello. My name is Dawn Eshelman and I'm head of programs at the Rubin Museum of Art in Chelsea, New York City. While our museum is temporarily closed and during these uncertain times, we want to stay connected with you. So we will be sharing previously recorded meditation sessions. For more resources and inspiring content, head to rubenmuseum.org slash care package. We hope you enjoy and we look forward to returning to our regular mindfulness meditation program as soon as we can. Take care. Welcome to the Mindfulness Meditation Podcast, presented by the Rubin Museum of Art. We are a museum in Chelsea, New York, that connects visitors to the art and ideas of the Himalayas and serves as a space for reflection and transformation. I'm your host, Dawn Eshelman. Every Monday, we present a meditation session inspired by a different artwork from the Rubens Collection and led by a prominent meditation teacher from the New York area. This podcast is a recording of our weekly practice. In the description for each episode, you will find information about the theme for that week's session, including an image of the related artwork. Our Mindfulness Meditation Podcast is presented in partnership with Sharon Salzberg and teachers from the New York Insight Meditation Center, the Interdependence Project, and Parabola Magazine. If you'd like to join us in person, please visit our website at rubenmuseum.org meditation. And now, please enjoy your practice. Good afternoon, and welcome, Tashi Delek. Welcome to our weekly mindfulness meditation here at the Rubin Museum. Presenting partners, Sharon Salzberg, Interdependence Project, and Parabola Magazine. My name is Tashi Children. I'm the assistant manager to Himalayan Cultural Programs and Partnership. Uh, I host a monthly program called Himalayan Heritage, which is every first Wednesday of each month. And so the next one is June 5th, and we'll be celebrating the holy month Sakadava with a treasure revealer reincarnate master in the shrine room, very limited seating. And so this month's theme is compassion. And let me give you the art connection for this. As we have been exploring on compassion the last couple of weeks, so today the image for today's meditation is this really beautiful, intricate Maitreya Buddha, often addressed as Jetsun Champa in Tibetan word. Fine metal sculpture from this period, such as inlay covers the figure. It's a beautiful about 750-ish to the 11th century Pala period from Indian aesthetic. And uh, Maitreya Buddha is sitting in royal ease position. So our guest speaker will say more on this. So for today, we are very, very honored to have our eighth Kangsa Rinpoche back, actually. Rinpoche was here a couple of, we- couple of years ago. Kangsa Rinpoche Tsultim Palden was born in Kathmandu, Nepal. At the age of five, he was recognized as the reincarnation of the seventh Kangsa Rinpoche, who was one of the three high lamas responsible for searching for the current 14th incarnation of His Holiness the Dalai Lama. 
Kangsa Rinpoche started basic study of Buddhist philosophy and completed advanced Buddhist studies on Sutra and Tantra in Serajay Monastery and Jute Tantric Monastic University in India, where he obtained Geshe Larampa, which is equivalent to a PhD, and a doctorate degree in Tantra, both with highest honors among the top divi uh, division. Rinpoche's ancestors followed the Nyingma tradition of Tibetan Buddhist sects uh, for many centuries. And since Rinpoche's line of reincarnations is affiliated with the Gelukpa tradition, he possesses both precious heritage. Rinpoche has directly received a wealth of teachings on both Tantra and Sutra from many great Tibetan yogis and from spiritual teachers from the four major Tibetan Buddhist sects. One of his teachers include His Holiness the 14th Dalai Lama, Jabje Dilgo Chense Rinpoche, Lati Rinpoche, Kensul Lobsang Tsering, Ketun Zangpo Rinpoche, and Choje Trichen Rinpoche, to name a few. Rinpoche is a great scholar who has achieved monastery in both, masteries in both Geluk and Nyingma Buddhist traditions. Uh, Rinpoche currently serves as a professor teaching Buddhist philosophy at Serajay Monastic University. And in 2012, Rinpoche established the Dipankara Buddhist Organization to convey the practice of mind training all over the world. So please help me in welcoming Kangsa Rinpoche. First of all, my greetings. And Tashi Delik to all. <laughs> Today, as you all know, that today's the topic it's regarding about compassion. And I always believe that love and compassion is, is not something only related with the religious issue as we are born as a human it's a very important to to cultivate the love and cultivate the compassion toward the other if you look at the animal world they don't have any religion they don't have any language but still they require they need love. Because when we look at in this, especially in this 21st century, humans are becoming more selfish. Couple of the years back, one gentleman told me that he's going to marry his fiancee and asked me to bless his marriage. Then I asked him that, why you're going to marry your fiancé? He told me that if he marry his fiancé, he will become more happy. Then I told him, you are thinking very wrong. <laughs> you should think if you marry your fiancé, she will become more happy. <laughs> he, because he was marrying his fiance, because he feels he will become more happy. That means 
you become quite selfish. So, so that's why the practicing the compassion, generating the compassion and love, it is the best antidote to reduce the reduce the self-cherishing attitude. Because as I mentioned before, we become too selfish. Plus, we have a very strong ego. I always used to give the one example. In case, in case if we take a group picture, in case if we take a group picture after this session, and once you get that picture in your hand, to whom you will look first? <laughs> hmm? To whom? I'm sure if you look good in that group picture, you will keep that. If you, <laughs> if you don't look good in that picture, you will delete that. It doesn't matter the, how your husband looks in that picture, or your wife looks that in picture, or your boyfriend looks in that picture, or your girlfriend looks in that picture. It doesn't matter at all. So we are too selfish. So that's why when we are talking about a love, and when we are talking about a practicing the compassion, it is the to, it is to help us to reduce the, our selfishness, reduce the our self-cherishing attitude. Because lots of people used to ask me the one question that what is the purpose of the, our life? Purpose of the, our life. I always used to say the one thing, live happily. So now the, here's the second question comes how, what is the way, what is the best way to achieve the happiness in our life? That is the compassion, the love and compassion is a key to achieve the happiness. In our monastery, when I was a kid, I heard the one story that the master was teaching about the compassion, practicing the compassion. So he told us the one story. I like that story very much. Stories goes like that. There is a one person he started to practice the compassion. He started to practice the love and kindness toward the old sentient beings. Then his friend asked him, I heard that now you all started to practice the compassion. You started to practice the love and kindness toward the all of the sentient beings. So, in case if you have two Yak. Do you know yak? Yak is a Tibetan animal. Okay. In case, do you, in case if you have a two yak, will you give a one yak to the person who don't have yak? He said, sure. I'm practicing the compassion. In case if I have a two yak, I will give a one yak to the person who do not have a yak. Then here, friend raised the second question. In case, if you have a two cow, will you give a one cow to the person who do not have the cow? 
Then he said, absolutely. Because I'm practicing compassion. Because I'm practicing love and kindness to whole humans and whole sentient beings. Sure, I will give, in case if I have a two cow, I will give a one cow to the person who do not have a cow. Then his friend raised third question. In case if you have a two donkey, will you give a one donkey to the person who do not have a donkey? In this point, he said, absolutely no. If I have a two donkey, I won't give a one donkey to the person who do not have the donkey. His friend was quite surprised. So he asked that the, what make the difference? The logic is the same. Logic is the same. You are practicing compassion. You are practicing love and kindness. In case if you are, if you are, if you have a two cow and the two yak, you are willing to give the one cow and the one yak to the person who do not have a cow and yak. But you are not willing to give the donkey if you have a two donkey. Then the person told him that the logic is not the same at all. Because I don't have a two yak, I don't have a two cow, but I have a two donkey. <laughs> So when we talk about the compassion and the love, sometimes it's become a little bit tricky. Sometimes it's become a tricky. So that's why the compassion and love, sometimes you might feel that you are practicing compassion. Sometimes you feel that you love someone very much, but you, it will be sometimes it can be the tricky. So that's why in the when we practice the compassion, when we practice the, practice the compassion or when we generate the love toward the others, first key point is that the understanding the sufferings of the other, understanding, understand the suffering of the others. That is the one key point. Understand then the feel the sufferings. Understand and the feels the difficulty of the others understand and feels the other challenges. When you understand and feel the other's suffering and the difficulties, then you can generate the genuine love, genuine compassion toward the others. So that's why when the Buddha, he teached the first session, he taught the suffering. He taught the truth of the suffering because he want to let the people to understand the suffering. Know the suffering. Because right now, I'm sure you will think that you understand and you know the suffering. I'm sure you will think that you know the difficulties. But you don't understand and you don't feel the suffering for the others very properly. So that's why the two practice the compassion. First step, you have to understand you have to feel the difficulties or the sufferings of the other. That's the most the key point. Then the second point is that when you generate that love, when you generate the love toward the other, you should not expect something back. Don't expect any result. 
What I mean, don't accept when, when you say to, when you say, I love you to someone, what you expect? You expect something back. If that person doesn't say anything, you will not feel very comfortable. Even if you love the dog, when you care the dog, you expect the reaction from the dog. Once you go on expecting the something, whenever you give the love to the other, then the love won't be the pure. When you love, don't expect. Then it will become a genuine love. So that's why in the practice, when we try to generate the love and compassion toward the hell beings, generate the love and compassion toward the beings which live in another universe in the Buddhist practice. When you practice the love toward the some person whom you cannot see, then you cannot expect anything back. So that's why the, when you love and you generate the compassion, you should not expect. That's a, one most important key point when you're practicing the love or when you're practicing compassion. Okay, so now we will come to the, how we have to meditate, how we can meditate on love and compassion. It's a very important meditation. It's a very important meditation. So that's why the, uh, first when we start with the meditating on the compassion, so you have to keep your back upright. If you feel uncomfortable, then you don't have to. Back upright, then your hand position should be, keep your right palm on the top of the left palm, touch your thumb. Because there is a secret in this hand position. Because when you keep your two thumbs each other, the, our inner energy, body energy will move very smoothly. So that's why you have to keep the, these two thumb touch and like this position, to keep your hand position just front of the, your navel, like this way. Then first thing is that the, when we meditate, the first step is that we call that the claiming the mind. So that's the, what I mean is that the calming the, sorry, the calming the mind, calming the mind. Because mind is like a monkey. <laughs> so there's a one very famous story about a one great master. One student came to see that great master and asked that great master that can he teach him the meditation. So then the great master told that student that meditation is a very simple, very easy. You just go and close your eye and think anything, whatever you like. Meditate, whatever you like. But only one thing, you should not think while you are meditating. That is monkey. You should not think monkey when you meditate. Then the student feels that's a very easy, very simple. He can think anything except the monkey. <laughs> then he went back and tried to meditate. Now you will know 
what comes in his mind. <laughs> then he feels so difficult to meditate. Whenever he tries to meditate, monkey comes in. <laughs> okay? So that's why the first thing is called the calming the mind. So that's why the, what you have to do is just inhale or exhale the breath. Just focus on your breath, okay? Breath. When you still, when you are focusing on the breath, when you are getting distracted, then start to count the breath, okay? Inhale or exhale the breath, count one. Inhale or exhale the count, then count two, okay? You start the counting. Once you can focus quite well on your breath, then don't count. Once you cannot. In case, if the monkey comes in your mind, then start counting the breath, okay? <laughs> okay, then I will leave for the few minutes, okay? Inhale or exhale, then you just focus on your breath, okay? Once you could not focus on your breath, when you're getting distracted, then count the breath up till 20, 21. Okay, now we'll come to the meditation, meditation on compassion. So this meditation, what you have to do is so you have to visualize someone whom you love, someone just in front of you, visualize. You can visualize your parents, 
your kids and all your family members visualize then while you are visualizing them in front of the you then when you inhale your breath when you inhale your breath you should visualize think that you are taking the suffering of the your that family member or the your dear one when you inhale the breath when you inhale the breath visualize that they are suffering form of the black ray or the black lights comes from them and the which enters into your body through your left nostril when you inhale the breath when you exhale the breath think that you are giving the your own happiness to whom you loved with the form of the white light the happiness in the form of the white light which comes out of the, your body from your right nostril this practice we call the tonglen in tibetan that means giving and taking meditation you are taking the suffering of the your dear one and you are giving the happiness to the your dear one so when you inhale visualize that you are taking the suffering of the your dear one exhale visualize that you are giving the your own happiness to their dear one just visualize the someone whom you really love okay so that is the in that is the one meditation that is the one meditation that i quite oftenly do because in my life lots of people send me the message and send me the mails and uh, ask me to pray for them so whenever i receive the message whenever I get the mails for asking me for pray for them i always do this meditation visualizing the the person and the visualizing the person whom asked me to pray then i inhale the breath i visualize the taking the suffering of them when i exhale the breath i visualize that i'm giving my happiness to those people okay so what you okay so now i was just wondering that did you understand that what you have to meditate hmm great that's important <laughs> if you understand what you have to meditate very good if you don't understand it very good <laughs> because when the buddha was giving the teaching this prangaparami uh, the sutra that is a one teaching it contains 1000 verses he was, when he was giving that teaching the it said that the gathering is among the thousand people but interesting thing is that only few people understand what he was talking and only few people did not understand him only few people gathering might be more than thousands only few people understand him and the only few people did not understand him most of the students most of the people they misunderstand in buddha so once you understand very good when you don't understand very good you should not misunderstand the meditation step okay <laughs> so okay so what will we do is that okay so we will meditate okay inhale or exhale the breath and the, you just visualize that someone okay whom you really love and the inhale 
then you just visualize you're taking the suffering of that your dear one okay then you, when you exhale think that you are giving the your own happiness okay but the one thing after you did the meditation you don't have to call the person and don't you don't have to tell them that you took the suffering of their your loved one okay you don't have to do that <laughs> okay i'll leave few minutes okay Thank you. That concludes this week's practice. If you would like to support the Rubin Museum in this meditation series, we invite you to become a member and attend in person for free. Thank you for listening. Have a mindful day.